Hey, um, this morning we are launching into week two, week two of the, the, the series on the church. You might have, if you were here last, uh, last week, we, um, we alluded to this, this series being a, a series where we're just looking at the topic of the church and specifically our church here at Te Amuru Bible Chapel and, uh, and seeing how, how we can be more formed by God's Word and by what God's expectation of the, of the church is. We said that along the way, uh, where there was potentially little, little things that we would do just to make minor changes as we, uh, as we obviously, historically, we've always wanted to point towards Christ, and, and that's been our, our trajectory. You might have, if you were here, you remember the uh, little story about the long, very, very long Canadian road, yeah? Um, and how uh, we were traveling so long on that road that, uh, that the, the road had to be adjusted for the curvature of the earth. And that's, the, that's the, one of the, the ideas in this series is that as we go along, we're, we're looking at the idea of the church, we're looking at God's Word, we're seeing if there's just ways in which we can be just a little more faithful, just a, just a t- touch more, just a small little uh, a change in direction, perhaps a small little uh, course adjustment so that we can... Um, uh, be more faithful to, to what God has called us to. This morning, we're going to have a look at a small little adjustment. And uh, you poss- as you walked in, you might have sensed it, you might have seen it uh, around the place. I'll mention it in a, in a moment. Um, but we're going to continue to look at the church through the eyes of the Bible. And today is going to be one of those ones where we'll just see a little bit of a, a, a small change going on. But just as a as an over, I guess as an overarching note to both the series and what we're talking about today. Discipleship is, uh, is essentially, if you, if you were to read the, the New Testament and the New Testament, the, the role of the New Testament church and the flavor of the New Testament church, discipleship is one of the key aspects about what we are as a church and who we are as a church and what the New Testament church is about. Last year, uh, particularly in the second half of last year, the elders met uh, well, they, they meet regularly anyway, but uh, met with some specific intention around thinking through these ideas. And we, uh, we read a, a fair bit of material, uh, had a lot of discussion. We wrote a couple of papers uh, to, together, and those, those are still going on. We prayed a lot. And uh, one, of the, one of the things that we were convinced about is that the New Testament church is about discipleship. Uh, from, uh, if you're familiar with the Great Commission in, in Matthew chapter 28, uh, the, the idea there is that we are to make disciples, make disciples of all nations. It kind of has a bit of a flavor of, of going out to the nations and, uh, and, and making disciples in, in terms of evangelism. And the rest of the New Testament is, a, is, is really flavored around that idea of, of, of growing us and that disciple, discipleship process. So we wanted to be clear and, uh, and really kind of super intentional about us as a church and as a church family being about discipleship. And so, uh, and, and so we wanted to make some, some steps towards that. So, uh, so this morning, what we want to do is just, I, I want to uh, uh, just communicate to you just uh, uh, one of these, uh, just a small thing that has come out of, the, out of that process from the second half of last year. Um, if, if you're, there was a there was a famous interview by a rugby player after a game. Uh, might have been the might have been the late late 90s or the early 2000s, and he and he and he used a line that that uh, has become folklore in New Zealand sport. It's a he said it was a game of two halves. Do you remember the remember the little the, the saying? It was a game of two halves. Um, 
So this morning, it's going to be a sermon of two halves. We're going to have a little look at this minor change that, that, uh, that, we were, um, that has flowed out of these things, and then I'm going to tackle the first part of that um, and, and, and look at the scriptures. And so the second half will be a kind of more of a, a normal, sermon, normal sermon. So it's a sermon of two halves, and hopefully I don't have a brain of two halves as I, um, as I go about that. So... Um, so here, so here we are. This, this is where, this is where the, what the elders have been working through in the, last, uh, the second half of last year. Now, personally, I'm not a, I'm not a, massive, uh, not a massive fan or not a, a, a great proponent of you know, those, um, how every business since the mid-90s seems to have had a vision, vision statement and a mission statement. And oftentimes, it's a big, long, long statement that uh, gets put, put on a plaque or, a, or something and plastered on a wall somewhere. And, uh, and then two weeks later, everyone's forgotten about it. Yeah, you're familiar with that. I've worked in a couple of businesses where that was essentially the case. There was a vision statement or a mission statement somewhere, um, and, and no one really could remember it. Um, so I'm not, a, I'm not a massive proponent of that, but I really do like the idea of encapsulating, encapsulating or trying to encapsulate what we as a church are trying to do or what the Bible says that we should be trying to do. Uh, and I'm a, I'm a fan of and trying to encapsulate that into something nice and short and memorable. So... Thank you. So, here we go on the screen here. And if you went, if you as you walked in, if you had have noticed the right-hand wall, you would have noticed something just a little bit different. Did you see that there? There's some beautiful artwork on the on the uh, right-hand wall, and I want to say a big thanks to Delise Clements for uh, for creating that for us. And essentially, it says, as a church, we love God, we love the church. And we love the lost. And, uh, and so, yeah, I'm not uh, suggesting this is a new vision statement or a new mission statement or anything, but it does uh, probably replace that which we had sitting there as a, as a vision statement and a mission statement and the likes. But what this does, what it does is it symbolizes and, and it sort of states in, in, nice, in a nice, short, little, uh, memorable statement what it is that we are about, the discipleship process. And it, is a, it's a, and it is a discipleship process, not like a, not a traditional vision statement. This is just exactly what we are wanting to do. We're wanting to love God, we're wanting to love the church, and we're wanting to love the lost. A couple of things you might notice as you go, as you have a look at it, or as you look at perhaps even more so on the, on the artwork on the side there, you notice that it starts on the left with love God, and you'll see the artwork is kind of small there. Uh, and then as we grow as, in, as, as believers, we're going uh, to progress and we're going to love the church. We're going to love one another. And as we grow even more, we're going to love the lost, and our focus is going to be further and further outward. This, uh, this idea has been, has been rummaging around as we, as we, together, as we thought about who we are as a church, but thought about, more importantly, what God calls the church to do. See, first and foremost, God calls us as believers to love Him. That's the first thing He's, uh, he's, he's talked, uh, told us to do. I'm going to, we're going to have a look in a moment, so if you've got your Bibles, grab it if you want. Uh, Matthew chapter 22. When Jesus was uh, um, approached by the Pharisees, and he was asked, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? What's the greatest commandment? Well, they were referring to the Old Testament law. What's the, uh, what's the greatest commandment? Because they were, in, in the first century, they were, one of the discussions that was going on a lot was, can you summarize the Old Old Testament law in one commandment? 
And, and if you are, or maybe a different approach to that was, can you prioritize the, the commandments in the Old, Old Testament law? And so they were uh, asking Jesus that question. Their, their intention was more to trap him. But Jesus has a, an interesting answer. We're going to come back to this a, a little bit later on. This is the section that I want to unpack in the, in the sermon part here. But he says um, to them, uh, he said to them in verse 37, chapter 22, verse 37, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so as we were, as we were thinking about what we are as a, as a church and what the Bible asks us to be, as a church, this is kind of a bit of a kind of a collision of the greatest commandment: love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul and strength, and love uh, love your neighbour as yourself. That is loving the loving the church, and then it's a it's a collision of the greatest commandment and the greatest and the great commission to go into all the world and to make disciples. And the, and the, you see that in the love the lost. So those those two kind of things uh, just just kind of come together in this little statement. You'll notice the progression, the, even in this, this one that we've got on the screen here, starts off with love God with one leaf and then two leaves and then three leaves as you get through to love the lost. You might see it in other aspects as uh, there's a whole process, obviously, that goes about with replacing old documentation and putting this, this stuff into the newer documentation. You might see it with arrows pointing from love God, then an arrow towards love the church, then an arrow towards love the lost. Because we start with loving God and that propels us to love one another, love the church, and that propels us to love the, love the lost. So, uh, so that's, the, that's the statement. And just, just as we very, very, very quickly walk through each, each step, and today I'm going to look primarily about uh, at the first step, loving God, and we'll look at the, the other two in, uh, in weeks to come. As we look at the, those, those three areas, um, we're going to, as, as a church, be, be looking at uh, putting some, I guess, specific focus on, on some things that are going to help us to love God, specific focus on some things that are going to help us to love the church, specific things that are going to help us to, uh, to love the lost. So to love, uh, in terms of loving God, uh, one of the primary things that will be helping us and enabling us and, and propelling us to love God would be what we do here on a Sunday morning. Yeah, so we gather together, we worship, we learn together, uh, we, we, we grow in our, in our knowledge and love of God. Um, one of the things that, that has been happening, we, we started off the marriage series this morning out in the equip uh, room, and, and, uh, and one of the things that we will look as elders just to, just to bring along more and more is that whole idea of, uh, of having those equip classes and, having, uh, and expanding those just a, a little bit and giving some more options there. Just as a little side note, uh, down here in New Zealand and, and Australia a little bit, we are a little bit of an anomaly in the evangelical world in that we don't have as a normal thing going on adult Sunday school classes. Um, most of the rest of the world in evangelicalism has just a norm, as a as normal part of Sunday morning gathering together adult Sunday school classes. Um, and so that's, that's one thing that is, is, uh, we're looking to, um, to, to kind of just continue to add in so that it's, a, it's an, an opportunity for us to continue to love God. Uh, and the primary, primary area for the, to grow in that is what we do here on a Sunday morning as we get together. And as we, grow, as we grow in our love of God, that is, uh, we were talking this morning, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about that in a, in a second. As we get our vertical relationship with God right, that starts to impact our horizontal relationships with others. 
It can't, it can't but not do that. It can't, it can't do anything but. It can't do anything but as we, as we uh, rectify and as we, as we get our vertical relationship with God uh, where, it's, where the Bible wants it to be, then that it just outflows into the way in which we love others. So, uh, so we're going to then, uh, uh, that, will, that should help us to love the church, love one another, love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of the primary areas that we're looking to, 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 to really have a focus on in terms, of, um, in terms of helping us to love one another is, is, of course, home groups. That's the natural or small groups. So you might have a, you know, the, the youth group and at night and, and the likes, and there's other groups, men group, men's groups, women's groups, that will help uh, those small group ideas will help us to love one another, to, to just be living in each other's lives. When you think about the New Testament church and the first century church, if you do any, uh, any reading on the early church, they, they were living in each other's lives. They lived in a, probably in a very close geographical kind of context, and they were just doing life together day by day. And so we, we live in a little bit more of a geographically spread out kind of um, uh, scenario here, particularly with, with being a rural church. But home groups, as small groups, is a, is a wonderful way in which we can love one another and get to that idea of sharpening one another, helping each other grow, talking about what's going on in, in each other's lives, praying for one another in a real kind of close, knit, intimate kind of, kind of setting. And so home groups is something that we'll, we'll look to be using in terms of, in terms of helping us focus on loving the church. A side note there on terms of uh, loving, the, loving the church. Of course, we're talking specifically at the moment around our, our local church here, TABC. Uh, but it will also help us uh, as, we, as, we, uh, as we do that. Uh, we will have other uh, focuses around loving the wider church, both in Tiamuru and around the, around the world. We pray for the persecuted church. We will do that, and we will continue to do that. Uh, and we'll pray for the persecuted church around the world. We'll pray for other faithful churches, churches here in, uh, in Tiamuru and look to, um, and look to as appropriate, uh, engage in things with them as well. So, uh, so, so let's love God, love the church, and love the lost. The, as we, here's, here's the interesting, interesting part. As we love God and as that changes our heart to love one another, and as we, in, in small groups and in small little pockets, help one another, sharpen one another, help us become more like Christ, part of that process is and needs to be and, and, and will naturally be asking questions of one another. Who is it in your life that you're looking to, to share the gospel with, to share the love of to share the message of Jesus with? Um, and and if it's your if it's your if it's your neighbour, uh, what's your neighbour's name? Can we pray for your neighbour with you? And then next next week or next fortnight when we get together, let's hear about what how that's gone for you for this for this week or this this fortnight. And you can see how those small intimate relationships will actually help us in our in our orientation towards loving the lost. That might be loving them in practical ways and just going there and serving them, uh, whether it's your neighbours, workmates, or others around town. Uh, or, and in addition to that, of course, uh, we'll be sharing with them about the life-changing message of, of Jesus, the incredible message that we have and that, that we have and that we have been transformed by and we want to share with, share with them. So as we grow as believers together, we're going to, that's going to be a, a, a natural part of our growth, to love the lost, both practically and spiritually. 
It also means that as a church, we're, gonna, we're just going to continually, uh, over, over time, just try and have a sharp focus on loving God, on loving the church, on loving the lost. And, and you'll, uh, hopefully you'll, you'll feel that come through as, the, as, as time, time goes on. So, as I switch gears to a, to a game of the second half, what I want to do this morning is just try and unpack that love God part a little bit. And just, just think about what the Bible says about loving God and how, uh, and how that, that impacts us and, and how that should stretch us and, and grow us. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, you, hopefully you're in Matthew chapter 22 already. Let's look at the, uh, at the whole section there uh, again. So when the Pharisees... The Sadducees, just before, and if you look a little bit back in the, in the chapter, the Sadducees had been asking Jesus about some, uh, some questions and trying to trap him, trying to trap Jesus. And now it's the Pharisees' turn. The Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, and they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. In verse 36, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. With all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So straight out of the gate, Jesus says to, says to the Pharisees, when this guy, one of the Pharisees, comes and asks him about what, what, is, what is the most important thing out of the Old Testament law. Jesus, referring to Deuteronomy 6, you might be familiar with it, Deuteronomy 6, and he, and he says, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. Heart, soul, and mind. And so we've got to ask the question then, as we, as we look at Jesus' response, we've got to ask the question for us, what do we love? What do you love? What do I love? What is in your life that you absolutely love? What is in your life that you just, you just could not be without? What do you think about when you've got spare time? For, for, for me, the, the, telling, the telling point is oftentimes when I'm sitting on the lawnmower, just going round and round and round the lawn. When it's, it's, a, it's just a menial task that has to be done, and there's not really much much thought process involved. Where, where does my mind go there? What, that, that's a that's a bit of a telling point at the, at that point in my life. What's the most what's the most important thing that's going on in my life? What do you think about when you've got spare time? Maybe when you're when you're falling asleep at night. Maybe it's what what keeps you awake at night and prevents you from sleeping. What is it that you love? What is it that you'd be devastated if you lost? Because I think life, life ends up being a bit of a battle of loves. What is it that we love most? And, and of course, love is a, is a little bit of a throwaway word in our, in our society. Yeah? Uh, many of you here are married, and you would probably say that you love your spouse. Yeah? I hope you'd say that you love your spouse. Well, I had a really good lasagna last night, and I said afterwards, I loved that, my, that lasagna. Yeah. So the love in our, in our context, I heard someone in our house uh, say just, just the other day, I love these shoes, yeah? and, or I love the smell of that flower, because it was Valentine's Day. And I did remember, had to rush around a little bit, but I uh, did remember. 
love gets kind of, the word love gets kind of thrown away and a throwaway word in our society. And so we need to, to, to dig down a little bit on what is, it that, what is it that's really getting at our heart? What do we really love? What is this, the battle of love of what is it that really gets us going? You see, the Bible tells us that we all love something to the point of putting it first in our life. The Bible tells us that, uses a bit of a different word there, the Bible tells us, defines us all as worshippers. We were talking about this a little bit this morning in the, in the quip class. The Bible defines us and ta- tells us that we are all worshippers. We all worship something. Now, God wants us to worship Him with all our heart and soul and mind. You can see that there in, in, the, in verse 20, uh, sorry, 37 of chapter 22. God wants us to love him with all our heart and soul and mind. He wants us to worship him with all our heart and soul and mind. We got to realize that, that we, we are, the Bible says that we are worshipers. We'll have a look at Romans 1 in a second that tells us that. We are worshipers, and so we are going to worship something. So are we going to worship God? Are we going to put him as the thing that we love the most in life? Or is that going to be something else? And I, and, I, and I want us to just walk through a couple of scenarios here which, which just maybe help us to see, that, see the problems that occur in life when we don't put God first as the thing that we worship the most, the, way, the thing that we love the most. For example, God wants, uh, wants us to worship Him as our Creator. Yeah, he wants us to worship him as our creator. He wants us to understand that and believe it with all our heart, soul, and mind. He, we want, he wants us to vertically understand that relationship so that horizontally our relationships uh, will, 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 will then start working. And I'll, I want to just tease this out, out a little bit. Uh, I'll put it on the screen here. Romans chapter 1. This, this tells us, uh, or just sheds a little bit, opens up our heart just a little bit here. Romans chapter 1, 21 to 25, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Okay, so this is talking about the, the non-believing world. And particularly in Paul's day, that's what they did. They, they, they exchanged the glory of God for images resembling mortal man, birds, animals, and creeping things. Therefore, God gave, up to the, gave them up to their lusts of their hearts, to impurity and the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged, here's the, here's the key bit there, they, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever, amen. You notice that there? They swapped things out. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator. We are designed to worship God as our creator, but oftentimes we will swap that out and start serving the creature and worshipping the, the creature or the creation or the created order rather than the creator. For some, perhaps back in Paul's day, that might have been statues, they might have worshipped the sun or they might, they might have worshipped the moon or other things. For us, we're probably more likely to worship our things, selfish things for ourselves, material things, sports, 
comfort for ourselves, this thing we call lifestyle, we're probably more inclined to swap God out for worshipping those and putting that as the thing that we love and desire the most, the thing that we think about the most, the thing that we are fixated on. So if we swap God out as being the one, as the, as, as the creator, as worshipping him as the creator and worship instead something out of the created order, here's what happens. If we're worshipping these material things and desiring these material things, and that makes me see others either as a vehicle to get those material things or an obstacle from getting those material things. And you see how that just immediately starts to break our relationships horizontally. If we don't get our vertical relationship with God right, worshiping Him as Creator, we're going to start messing up our horizontal relationships. That's why we love God in the process that we're loving God and that's the first part, that's the starting part. If we can get that right, then we can love one another. I'll give you another example. God wants us to worship Him, and sorry, the guys that have been out there this morning, we've, we've covered this a little bit, but it's covering it in a, from a slightly different angle. God wants us to worship Him as being sovereign. He wants us to understand that He is sovereign, believe it with all our heart and soul and mind. He wants us to under, understand that vertical relationship, that He is sovereign so that we can get our horizontal relationships happening. And think about it. When things go wrong in this life, and things go wrong in this life, don't they? We're, we're promised that. God's Word promises us that things will go wrong in this life. When things go wrong in this life, how do we look at those issues that have happened? When something goes on in our home, whether it's between Sonia and I or with the, or with the kids that have, that have done something, because we all make mistakes, we all do things. When, if I'm not looking at God as sovereign, here's what, my, here's what my heart tends to do. Something goes wrong in life and I start blaming someone. I start pointing the finger at them. And I start, perhaps start getting a bit, a bit angry at them for whatever the circumstances is or, or whatever the attitude is that's, that's going on. Uh, we think about things, we, this is the, the work environment that I'm uh, uh, in here at, at the moment and down in the offices there. If something happens, if something goes wrong in the, in the, uh, in the offices here, there's, there's, a, there's something in my heart that can propel me to think we need to find out who's to blame here and we need to, and we need to make a deal of this and, and, start, and start jumping up and down about this. However, if if we were worshipping God as sovereign, then although people have made mistakes in our home or whatever it might be uh, around us, oftentimes I'm the one that's making the mistake. If we're worshipping God as sovereign, then although people have made mistakes, who is it that is sovereignly over top of all those things, even if if we're, we're to blame for some of those mistakes? Is it not God that has allowed those things to happen in life? So if we're, if we're worshipping God as sovereign, if sovereign of all creation, if sovereign of all the world, then that starts to make me think about the, the issue that's going on a whole lot differently. Yes, someone might be to blame, and yes, there might be something that needs to be addressed. But if God's allowed that to happen in life, then I start to look at that and think, oh, so what is God doing here with this scenario in life? Because... 
James chapter 1 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let the steadfastness have its full effect, that you might be maybe perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God's allowing those things, even people doing sinful, wrong things in life. He's allowing those things, and he says that we should count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds, because that's going to that's work in me. It's going to work in my faith. It's going to make my stay, faith steadfast, and that's going to have a full effect and make me perfect and complete, ultimately perfect in the, uh, when, we, when we reach heaven. And lacking in nothing. So God's working in these things. Romans 8.28 says a similar sort of thing. That we know that those who, uh, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purposes. So God is working in all these situations. And if we don't see God as sovereign first and worship him as sovereign first, we're not going to understand that these things that are going on in our lives are for our good. And so we're going to react in anger. We're going to start blaming. We're going to point the finger. And we're going to continue to, uh, to hurt one another. Can you see again as to why we have to start with loving God? We start with loving God. And if we can get loving God, the, the loving God part, and understand that and, and start worshipping him as creator, start worshipping him as sovereign, start worshipping him as our, the savior of all, then we can start loving one another. That's how we love the church. So we're going to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And by the way, the heart, the, those categories, the heart, the soul, and the mind, they're kind of overlapping categories. There's some here that are probably more heart people. There's some here that are more emotion people, and you probably know some people around you, or maybe you're one of them, uh, more emotion people, that, that, that you, that you uh, find it easier to love God with all of your heart. Some of you are more soul people in terms of like the, the whole being, the whole life. Thing, and, and your whole life is oriented around serving and loving God. And, uh, and, you do, and you do well at that. And all of life being dedicated to God. Some of you are more mind people, uh, loving God with all your mind. So you, and you're good at the, at the study and understanding doctrine. And that, and that really allows you and helps you to, to love God. And here's the thing about being part of a church. We all need one another. Yeah, we, we need the, the heart people. We need the soul people. We need the mind people all working together. We need, uh, I, I kind of probably fit a little bit more into the mind category. Okay? And so that's why I, I love having heart people around me because I, I can learn so much from you. I can learn so much from, from how, how your, your heart just expresses incredible joy at God and how much God loves you and that transforms into, into love for God. We all need one another. We, the, the heart people need the soul people. The soul people need the mind people. And, and around it goes. And so, so we are a church together. All right. So how, is, how then? How then can we as a church love God with everything we are? I mentioned before that Sunday morning is kind of one of the key aspects for, for this loving God. And in terms of growing uh, our, our love for God, it is not the only thing. Of course, but it will be a key aspect. We're looking as a as a church to to, to lead intentionality and to and to really desire intentional desire, discipleship, growing in that heart, growing in the soul, growing in the in the mind. Um, and so the, the so categories for that uh, heart might be not, these are not exclusive things. These categories overlap massively. 
But uh, the, as, we, as we meet together on a Sunday morning, the, the heart aspect might be the, the, the musical worship that we've just enjoyed as that turns our hearts towards God and our, and our affections towards God. For many of you, it's, might be, it's, it's the communion table. Um, and that turns, again, your affections and, and, and your heart towards God. For the, soul, for the soul part, in terms of uh, the whole of life being, in terms of us, with, with all of our life, being worshipping God, then uh, that hopefully is applicational preaching from here. Uh, one of the things that, that we're desiring to do uh, more and be, be really intentional about is we open God's Word and we teach from God's Word, and, but we apply that to life. We try and put that, give, us, give that some, some, uh, some wheels so that it can, can roll out into your life. And so that, could, uh, that helps us to shape and form our entire being. Uh, and and the, the mind section, of course, preaching God's word here is part of that. The, uh, the equip classes are part of that to help us grow in our knowledge and our love of God. Having said that, we've just started up an equip class that has been, hopefully, massively practical um, and life-shaping. So, so those, these categories, they, they overlap. But these are, the, these are ways in which we live together, we uh, we. we uh, flow into, uh, we allow these things to flow into the, the formation of love for God and then formation of love for each other as a church. I'm aware though it's pretty easy for us to walk away as we've been thinking about loving God, that, that first section there, and kind of uh, think that the most important thing that we could walk away from here today is that we need to love God. And yeah, that's really, really important, but I think it's not as important. Probably the most important thing that we should be uh, walking away from here is, is not, not the fact that we should be loving God, but walking away with an understanding of the reason that we love God. The reason that we should be loving God. You see, see what can happen so often in, in, in churches is that we, we, we teach on loving God or we teach on loving neighbor or, or what it, whatever it might be, and we kind of go out there and we think, okay, I've got to love God more. I've got to kind of conjure up love for God more. Yeah, we do, but we, in order to do that, we need to, we need to understand the reason for, or reason how, reason why we can love God. And that is for the fact that God loved us first, yeah? 1 John 4, 19 says, We love because He loved us first. Which is excellent because we're, we're pretty bad at just actually conjuring up love in our own hearts. We're pretty bad at that. But here's the great thing. He's been loving us. God has been loving us since the beginning of time. You know that? Ephesians 1 verse 4 says that, that God has been loving us since the beginning of time. Romans 5 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That, I hope that, that starts to just blow your mind, that while we were just completely unworthy, Christ came, God sent Christ to come and die for us. I think about my relationships here on this earth, the sinners around me, the guy that cuts me off at the intersection is, is more likely to get my horn than he is any sort of love from me. Yeah? And you just, I mean, that's just a tiny little thing that really doesn't matter at, at all. But while we were still sinners, Christ died 
for us. We love God because he loves us so immeasurably. You know what? This is really applicable to us too. This is massively applicable to us. Because the fact that Christ died for us, the fact fact that we're sinners and that Christ has come and taken away our sin, that doesn't just give us a ticket to heaven, right? And we can often think about it in that kind of category. We kind of think, yes, Christ died for us, so we get to go to heaven and be with God, which is true which is absolutely true, but it's massively applicable. We were talking about the, those vertical relationships that then help to sort out our horizontal relationships. The fact that Christ died for us is massively applicable because it helps us understand the, the sinful relationship or the sinful things that go on here on earth. When, when I think about Sonia and I, and, and if, if there's ever gets tension between us, if Sonia's done something or... Maybe we'll make it a little more realistic. And if I've done something and, uh, and, Sonia's ta- and, and, and that uh, upsets Sonia. Because Sonia understands the grace that has been given to her, because, because she has realized that while she was, a still, sinner, was still a sinner, while, while we were still sinners, Christ died for her. Because of that amazing grace. It's a, the, the song is called Amazing Grace for a reason. Because of that amazing grace that has been shown to her, when, she, when, that, when that clicks into her mind, that immediate, when that vertical relationship starts to, is, is, is formed correctly, that immediately starts to shape the way that she deals with me and what I have done to wrong her. Because she knows that she has wronged God massively more. And that grace then starts to flow out of her towards me. This is... The, 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 the idea that Christ died for us while we were still sinners is massively applicable to us. When we understand that, when we, when we worship, when we worship God as our Savior and understand the grace that has been given to us, then we start, we start realizing that, man, I, I've, what, the, what my spouse has done to me or what, my, what this person at the work has done to me is, is absolutely nothing compared to the offense that I have before God. He has shown me that grace I can show this person just enough grace to get through this scenario. It's vertical before it is horizontal. Loving God is the beginning place. Loving God is the foundational place. It's the foundation stone for everything else in our Christian walk. Everything else depends on it. So do you know that God absolutely loves you? Do you know that God God had his eye on you before the beginning of time? Do you know that God loves you that much? And then that will be the fuel for this discipleship process that isn't actually about your love for God. It's about God's love for you. And that love poured out on you, which is going to ignite this entire discipleship process that we're going to continue working on and working through in this, uh, in this church series. Hey, let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you loved us so much. We just love you. We... Yeah, we love you, we, and, but we love you because you loved us first. Father, it's incredible to think of the, the fact that we as a group of sinners here, and if we were to, we were to pull the, pull the uh, amount of wrong that we have done before you, we would be devastated to see it all. We would be horrified to see it all. 
and yet you loved us. While we were still in that state of just uh, complete and utter darkness and complete and utter enemies towards you, you loved us and you sent Christ to die for us. So we, Lord, we give you thanks and we give you praise. And, and Lord, that just turns our hearts towards you. Father, as, as our hearts turn towards you and as we worship you and as we, we put you in our right place and, and, and as we put you in the right place in our lives, I pray that that would just continue to work out in the way in which we deal with one another, whether it's in our marriages, whether it's in our workplaces, whether it's in home groups, whether it is just in the daily interactions that we have with each other around the place. Lord, I pray that you would just continue to uh, just, just work those things out in us and that you would make us more and more like Jesus along the way. So we thank you for, for this time as we've been able to think through this, uh, this idea of loving God. We thank you for the, uh, just the, the, the intention of, of working through and, and making our lives as a church about discipleship. Lord, I pray that you would enable us to do that and that your spirit would continue to work in us uh, to build us as to be a to be a church that uh, is really intentional about loving you, really really intentional about about loving one another and sharpening one another and living life together, and the Lord that would just continue to propel us to take the gospel to the world around us and to love the lost and to share with them the the incredible message of the gospel that is absolutely life changing. So we thank you for this time here, Lord, and we pray for your blessing as we continue to uh, enjoy gathering together and continue to enjoy communion here as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.